I mean, no, last year was a good year, no matter what. And to, this year is a better year ahead of us. Amen? I'm excited about it. Hey, Emmanuel, wherever you're gathering together with us today, whether you're online, you're in Lakeville, you're in Elk River, Maple Grove, Spring Lake Park. Hey, how many of you love Jesus today? You love Jesus? It's great to be a part of a church that's excited about the opportunity of serving Jesus and walking with him. And that doesn't mean we're perfect. No perfect people allowed. But God is building his church in and through us and in practical, everyday ways and uh, as we talked about last week, how our word for the year is actually two words, look and listen. This responsibility we have to look at God with our eyes and listen for his voice. And if we do that, he will speak to us. And I'm excited because we're going to give you opportunities to tune in even more and to listen even more to what God is saying Tonight at 6 o'clock, we have a Holy Spirit service in Spring Lake Park, and the entire Emmanuel family is welcome to come right back to church tonight, and uh, we're going to worship, we're going to wait on the Lord, and there's going to be an opportunity for spirit baptism and being refilled with the Holy Spirit, just waiting on God for what he has for us, and I'm encouraged because good things are going to happen tonight at 6 o'clock, and our speaker for tonight is actually speaking this morning. Tim Enloe is coming to speak the word today. He's going to share from the Bible to you things that you have an opportunity to discover and learn from. Some of you, this will be old information. And some of it, it will be brand new information to you. But all of us need to get the fresh download from heaven this morning. Can you give it up for Tim Enloe as he comes? And I'll explain a little bit. Tim is one of those guys that he's, he's got a teaching gift and he travels and speaks. And a teaching gift in the body of Christ is different than maybe the pastor's gift. So um, sometimes teaching and, and pastoring come together. Um, but he's going to have a different style of communication. But God still speaks to the church because you are to be equipped to do the work of the ministry. So as Tim brings his gift, I want you to open your ears up. I want you to listen in closely, and I want you to see what God is saying to you. So as he shares it, he speaks all around the world. He's got books he'll share with you, but he's been a long-term friend, and I really love him. One more time, give it up for Tim and Lo. Hey, good morning. Isn't it great to be in God's house today? And I'm so excited for what God is doing already today and especially tonight. I got to tell you, um, out of curiosity, so uh, tonight our service is about you and I as individuals receiving more of the Holy Spirit's power in our lives. Out of curiosity, how many of you have already experienced being baptized in the Holy Spirit in your life? You've already experienced that amazing thing. How many would wave a hand at me if it was a game changer for you spiritually, right? So a lot of people don't know because they hear the word baptism and they think about always baptism in water, which is important, but independent from spirit baptism. And tonight, this encounter is like God rewiring you from like being in a 12 volt battery to being like three phase 440 AC. I mean, it just changes the spiritual potential in your life. And if you've kind of felt like, you know, you have great appetites for God. You really love him, but you just kind of feel like there's not enough power. You don't have enough horsepower in your life. Tonight, this experience that we're going to talk about and is received through prayer tonight can be a game changer in your life. I hope you'll prioritize it. To demonstrate to you how much I'm prioritizing it, uh, please, um, you don't have hymnals, do you? Okay, good. All right. So, because a lot of times when there's 
readily available projectiles. I say this, I get stuff thrown at me. But um, so I, I am a born and raised Philadelphia Eagles fan. And, um, and so it is a, it, it's a sacrifice for me to come tonight to church because I'm going to miss the whole fourth quarter. But that's how much I love Jesus. And I want to encourage you tonight to prioritize it, even if you don't see yourself as someone that would, like one of those crazy fanatics that would come to church twice on a Sunday. Dispense with that bad habit. How many know what you, uh, what you assimilate in your life is who you become? And so by receiving more and spending more time in God's presence, he'll give you that overcoming power. You're going to find more grace and strength from the Lord and God loves to heal people. And one of the things I've found is a lot of times in these meetings that people just kind of accidentally get healed. And uh, so that's an all right thing to do because Jesus loves his church so much. Well, I wanted uh, to introduce you to my favorite people in the world. Take a look at my family. In fact, my wife, Rochelle, is sitting right over here. Honey, would you wave a hand real quick? And uh, so we have three adult sons. And we've traveled now for over 30 years teaching on the Holy Spirit every week. Um, some play, place different in the world, about, I don't know, almost 70 nations now. But um, we're so excited to be here with you today. We have three adult sons. Um, two of them are pastors, and one of them is at, at school and university, and they have amazing wives. And so I hope you'll pray for us. If you're at the uh, Spring Lake Park campus, you can grab one of our prayer cards today or this morning or tonight when you come uh, for the service. But you could remember us in prayer uh, about 70. 25% of our ministry happens in the U.S. and about 25% in a year's time overseas. This next year, our first stop is East Africa, and then we go to Reunion Island in Mauritius, if you know where that is, way out in the Indian Ocean. And then uh, we head back to East Africa, and then we end the uh, year end in, in Europe and Spain. And uh, so I hope you'll pray for us. But pray for us this next week. Uh, we are going to a very dark place, uh, open sewage running in the streets, voodoo practice, a place called Kansas. And we hope that you'll, you'll pray for us. It is really, really rough. Um, if you're interested, we have some of our materials in the lobby of the Spring Lake Park uh, location, and you can either grab them uh, to this morning if you're at that location or tonight, and if you're watching online, you can get them online as well, Amazon, whatever. But this is our newest book called Goodbye Chicken, Hello Dove, and it is all about how to incorporate the Holy Spirit's work in your life in a greater way to help you overcome your fears, not your fears like you're being chased through a cornfield by Freddy Krueger, but your your fears of, like, I want to do more for the Lord, but I don't know what to do. I'm afraid I'm going to mess it up. I'm, I'm going to get it wrong. And would God really anoint and help me in this way? And the whole uh, first third of this book is all about the identity of the Holy Spirit so you can really know who you're listening to and discern his voice. The middle third is all about how people interacted with the Holy Spirit in the Bible so you know your pursuit of him is on solid biblical path. And then the final third is all the practical stuff. How do I know his voice? How, how does he prompt me? How does he lead me? Um, and some really encouraging stuff. So it be a great help. And then finally, we have something back there that um, is for those that prefer to watch or listen, your auditory or visual learners. We have these Holy Spirit digital teaching library. It's a plastic card that has a flip out USB on it. And on this is 25 hours of teaching A to Z on the Holy Spirit. It's, I don't know, I think there's 12 different series, every gift of the Spirit, moving and healing, hearing the Holy Spirit's voice, all kinds of stuff. It's a virtual Bible college on there. And all of those resources go to help us to get overseas. So if you want to get rid of us, that's a great way to do it. All right. So uh, I hope you can come tonight. What time is it? Six o'clock. All right. You're sharper than that first bunch. Whew, man, they were... All right, so let's, let's take a moment this morning, and um, I want to, 
Our theme this morning is about embracing the Holy Spirit. How many of you are huggers? Huggers and hoo-hoo. All right, okay. And then how many of you are more like you keep your greasy, filthy arms to yourself, right? Well, doesn't it depend on who it is? You know, I mean, if it's, you know, family member or something, you're like, oh, but uh, if it's that creepy neighbor, you're like, not so much, you know? And if you ever thought about like a family dinner, you probably have a very different reception posture based on who it is. For me, you know, aside from my wife or our kids, whatever, um, probably the, the most warm fuzzies I get nostalgically thinking about embracing a relative would be my paternal grandma, my grandma Enlo. She was Southern Illinois. She was super homespun. Um, her love language was fat and carbohydrates and shoveling them down everybody she loved. And um, she always had an apron on because she was always cooking and just so sweet as can be. I, I, she went to be with the Lord like 25 years ago. But uh, she put her hand on her hip, and every sentence began with a groaned hun, you know, kind of a thing. It's just the way she was. But um, I, I can help you kind of imagine her if you just close your eyes for a brief moment and make the undertone olfactory base, the, the scent that you bring to your remembrance right now, that of like homemade fried chicken in the kitchen, okay? And then on top of that, add when you open up the the stove, we open up the oven, and you get a hot blast in the face of warm, gooey, homemade apple cobbler with so much cinnamon and butter, you can see it, you know? And then on top of that, put a thin layer, just a final note of Aquanet hairspray. That's my grandma, right? And, and when she would hug you, you just kind of sink in. You'd forget about everything. You just felt loved and accepted. And, and part of that was probably because she was covered in like two inches of Tempur-Pedic foam and you just kind of sunk in, you know. But, but kind of depending on who it is, is how warmly you receive and embrace your openness towards the person. And this is exactly the issue Jesus was dealing with before he was arrested um, at the night of the Last Supper. And it's interesting to me in John 14, 15, and 16 that really the content of what he's speaking is kind of a sandwich. He talks about the Holy Spirit first and then abiding, and then he ends up with the Holy Spirit again. It's kind of like an, an Oreo cookie on there. And the content, the majority of the content he's teaching the disciples is that they would be more open, more embracing of the Holy Spirit's ministry. He's getting ready to leave, you know, at the moment of his arrest. It's like a countdown is happening. He's arrested, his illegal night trial, the next day crucified in the tomb on Saturday, resurrected on Sunday, and then a few cameo appearances over 40 days before he ascends back to heaven. And so this is his last major teaching discourse that he had with all of the disciples together that we have recorded. And it's interesting to me that he would spend so much time in helping them to be more open, more embracing of the Holy Spirit. Now, in a moment, we're going to read this together, but I want you to pay attention ahead of time as we read this for a couple of the clues that happen. Remember, Jesus is getting ready to go away. He's getting ready to uh, die, rise again, and then uh, ascend to heaven 40 days later. And, and then he is going to physically, in his one physical Jesus body, be in heaven, but he is leaving the Holy Spirit for the church to continue his ministry. You're going to notice a lot of transfer language going on. Jesus is saying, hey, the same trust you have in me, the same uh, looking to me as a mentor, 
I want you to now place that upon the Holy Spirit. But he's not saying, stop trusting, stop trusting in me. He's saying, after I ascend, you're going to trust in me by trusting in the Holy Spirit. He's trying to help them to understand that things are going to be different, but it's not a bad different. In fact, he tells them it's a good different. It's best for you that I go away, he tells them. But pay attention to some of that transference language. So with that in mind, would you stand with me to your feet? And together, out loud, we're going to read the Word of God together. Let it get in your eyes and in your coconut, in your mouth and back feet, in your ears. Not only your voice, but the voice of our faith community. How many would wave a hand saying the Word of God is changed my life, right? So let's give it our best attention this morning. Will you read with me? If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you, but when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. But I will send you the Advocate, the Spirit of Truth, he will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Speak to us today, and I pray each one of us would leave more like Jesus with heightened focus and coordinates of GPS in our lives, prioritizing, Lord, your kingdom and your righteousness. And Lord, as always, following your pattern of ministry where you always taught about the kingdom of God and healed the sick in tandem, I welcome your healing anointing to fall upon this room, to fall upon everyone watching online, Lord Jesus. I pray, God, that there would be many that are experiencing right now your healing grace coming and healing, not only of short-term illness, but, Lord, long-term, like life-altering healing healings. We welcome your kingdom to come and your will to be done in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You could be seated if you like. You can remain standing and, and of course, be a public spectacle. Well, let's look at this for just a moment because it's interesting. You know, have you ever left like maybe on vacation or something or you had to go out of town and you had someone watch your house and on the way out the door, even though maybe you've already had the chat with them, you go, hey, don't forget to put the cans out, garbage cans out on Tuesday night, and uh, don't forget, you know, if you wouldn't mind taking care of this, and, and you give them a bunch of, bunch of little things. This is kind of like the re-emphasis Jesus is doing because his input time in their life is now coming to a close. Uh, 
you'll notice that Jesus uses some real interesting language, not only the transference language, but you notice the platform that Jesus is teaching to them now is not an introductory one. This is at the end of his ministry, and he is the wise mentor to them. I mean, they, he's blown their minds. They've left their fishnets and all their occupations, and they've followed him as the Hebrew student would follow their rabbi, their teacher, and he's taught them things that no other uh, mentor or teacher could teach people. And now he, gives, he drops the bomb on them. I'm going away, but when I go away, it's better for you that I go away, because if I go away, I'm going to leave you with the Holy Spirit. And so he's trying to uh, help them to set up a warm embrace rather than a cautious posture of reception and receiving it. And though we only read just a flyover of this portion of Scripture just in our, our reading today, it's a much larger chunk, I wanted to show you today just the five major truths that Jesus brings to bear to disciples and in turn to us to help each one of us more warmly embrace the Holy Spirit. The first is that the Holy Spirit is divine. And when we say divine, make no mistake, we are intentionally saying the Holy Spirit is God. In fact, if you want the seven-word definition for the Holy Spirit's identity, here it is. The Holy Spirit is God's personal spirit. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're not talking about someone else outside of the being of God. We're not talking about an archangel on steroids or something like that. We're talking about God's personal spirit. And this raises the question of Trinity or Godhead. I'm sure you've heard that language before. You'll never find the word Trinity or Godhead used in the Bible, but the principle on which we use those terms to describe is replete all throughout the scriptures. In fact, the uh, Gospel of John, which we're reading, uh, the author, the Apostle John, is the Trinitarian or Godhead scholar of the Bible. He mentions in great detail this idea of Trinity or Godhead in his large gospel and his three epistles, and then in the book of Revelation. He mentions this idea more than any other biblical author. But just take a look at it. You can kind of see some of these clues. It's just in his language. He says, I, Jesus, will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, speaking of the Spirit. Um, and then you can also notice the Father sends the advocate, the Spirit, as my Jesus' representative. The idea of Trinity or Godhead has two major facts, and let me just boil them down real fast. The first one's the biggie, and the second one is of secondary importance, and yet very important. So here it is. When we talk about the words Trinity or Godhead, we're talking about how God is made up, and so how he is comprised. So here's fact number one, most important. God is one being, one substance, one essence. As Christians, how many gods do we worship? One, right? We think of the Hebrew Shema, Deuteronomy 6. Hear, Israel, the Lord our God is one God. That's the most important. But the second fact of this Trinity or Godhead issue is that even though God is one being or one substance, the Bible records he's always been comprised within that one being of God of the three distinct persons of the Godhead or Trinity, God the Father, God the Son or Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. And there's no power struggle. There's no war. It's not like one year the Spirit's in charge and next year Jesus is in charge. It's not that way at all. They operate in total unity and harmony. And together they comprise the one being of God. So it's interesting when we say the Holy Spirit is divine, a lot of people don't know what to do with this because they get the idea, well, you know, God the Father, everybody's had a father, right? Good, bad, present, absent, everybody has a father. And then we all know Jesus because your grandmother has a painting of him over her dining room table, right? 
How many are glad that Jesus took all that time during his brief three and a half year ministry to sit for all those portraits? <clears throat> I, you know, I would imagine him to look a lot more Mediterranean, but apparently he's Scandinavian and jaundiced from those pictures. Um, kind of the wimpiest carpenter you've ever seen from those paintings. But throughout the scripture, uh, we, we know kind of, we identify with the Father, we identify with Jesus, but most of us don't know what to do with the Holy Spirit, aside from that one brief cameo appearance at the baptism of Jesus when he took on that, for one time in human history, bodily form like a dove. We don't know what to do with him, and so we either make the two common mistakes of neglecting him or running from him, and uh, and. Instead, the Bible shows us who he is. Here are the 16 major names for the Holy Spirit in order of appearance in the Bible. And you'll notice most, if not all of them, reveal that he is God, God's Spirit, the Spirit of God from Genesis 1, Spirit of the Lord, Good Spirit, Holy Spirit, My Spirit, God calls him. Um, go to the next one, please, and you can check up where we pick up in Romans 8. Paul calls him the life-giving Spirit, God's Spirit, the one and only Spirit, his Spirit, as speaking to, of God, the Spirit of his Son, his spirit, the spirit who makes you holy. And then in the book of Revelation, the sevenfold spirit, not to say that he has seven faces or seven facets. It's just kind of a Hebrew way of saying um, that he is complete and lacking nothing, entire and whole in every way. Suffice it to say, when we embrace the Holy Spirit, when we approach him, we are approaching God himself in those ways. Then secondly, the Spirit is not only divine, he is trustworthy. And this is probably the overriding theme, the thread that runs all through this passage. Again, that transfer language, Jesus is saying, hey, you trust in me, trust in the Holy Spirit. He's going to take you the rest of the way. He says, he, the Spirit, will teach you how much? everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. And then he says, I'm the one sending you the advocate. It's interesting. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit another advocate. Um, if maybe some other Bible versions in English call him another comforter, another counselor, this word advocate um, is probably the clearest, cleanest um, uh, English translation for those words. In the Greek, it's allos parakletos. Allos is another one just like me, identical, and then advocate, parakletos, para, like parallel lines, alongside, and then the root word kaleo, to call or summon for specific help and counsel. So he's saying, hey, just like I've stood alongside you, I've been there, I've given you wise counsel and specific help, mentorship. When I go away, he is another one just like me, just like I've been trustworthy, he's trustworthy. He's gonna take you the rest of the way. He wants to be your Mr. Miyagi and take you the rest of the way, help you in those ways, special wisdom, right? Remember that from the Bible? Then not only is the spirit trustworthy, but the spirit is recognizable. And this one is huge the moment you understand this and assimilate this into your understanding. Jesus says, this another advocate, just like me, he is the Holy Spirit who leads where? Into all truth. Have you noticed that we live in a lie culture? You know, if you just take these diet pills, all of your fat will disappear. Your wrinkles will go away. Your problems, your, your, your grass blades will turn into $100 bills, you know? If you just, you know, it's... We're so used to being lied at, it's become the culture of language for us, that people are overstating everything. Aren't you glad Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? And he says, the spirit of truth is going to guide you into all truth. That's so important to us. And then he says, the world cannot receive him, the lost, people that don't believe in Jesus, 
because they aren't looking for him and don't recognize him, but you can because he lives with you now and later will be in you. He's, he's at the feathered edges of the Old and New Covenant here. Remember, in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, when people were believing in God, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit did not come to live inside of them. But in the New Covenant, after Jesus died and rose again from the dead, everything changed. And now, when you and I put our faith in Christ after Jesus has risen again from the dead, the moment we're saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. So Jesus is telling them this just at the very end of his ministry. He'll die on the cross the next day, right? So he says, he's with you now and later will be in you. So this is huge. Um, once you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. Every one of you that's put your faith and your trust in Jesus as Savior, you've confessed him as Lord, whether you repeated a prayer or whether you, in desperation in a cornfield one night, cried out, God, forgive me, help me, I believe in you. Whatever your prayer was, when you put your faith in him, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you, and he doesn't come and go like a revolving door. A lot of people misunderstand that, and they allow their feelings to dictate their understanding of his presence. He lives inside of you whether you feel him or not. You know the scripture. The Bible says he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. You people know the Bible. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. That's in the book of St. Nicholas, I believe, right? No, but he lives inside of us from the moment we're saved onward. And uh, now, can the Holy Spirit leave someone? <clears throat> yeah, as a Christian, the Holy Spirit would only leave you if you divorce Jesus. But he lives inside of you. Now, how many of you today, during the awesome worship time, you became aware of the Holy Spirit's presence? He's like, hey, God is here, right? Okay. And... That's a very normal thing for a Christian, that you can be aware of God's presence, whether, and typically when you're doing things that are sensitizing your attention towards the Lord. Um, but we all know that as Christians, you can also go through some kind of funky times when you don't sense God. How many know God's there anyway? All right? But have you ever gone through one of those times? What do you do? You just keep on doing the right thing, loving the Lord, and then when things level out, you, you get your antennas fixed. You know, it's, it's no problem. But it's a normal thing for us to sense his presence, to be aware of the Holy Spirit. Now, when that happened, if that happened this morning for you during the worship time, all of a sudden, you know, did you stop and go, hey, wait a minute, who is this? Can I see some identification, please? License and registration, please. Oh, it's the Holy Spirit. Okay, all right, all right. No, you knew right away who he was. Because after you're saved, you receive the internal ability to discern his presence because he lives inside of you. No wonder John would say in his second epistle, you've received an anointing from the Holy One and you're not going to be deceived. He lives inside of you. There's an interior resonance that takes place. Before you're saved, you don't have that. But now you, every person that's put their faith in Christ, you have the ability to discern the Spirit's ministry. Number four, the Spirit is revelatory. What we mean by that is that he speaks. And it's interesting, in this portion, this three-chapter portion, every verb about the Holy Spirit is revelatory. He'll teach, lead, guide, direct, reveal, make known, speak. We don't serve a mute God. He speaks, right? And he wants to speak into your life and into your circumstance and the things that are most urgent in your life. Rather than taking time and ranting and hit the all-caps button and going for it on social media, why not Ask the Lord, God, speak to me. Give me some direction. Help me. Jesus says, there's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now 
But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He'll take you the rest of the way. He will not speak on his own or his own initiative, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He's saying, hey, the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you, and he's not speaking out of his own initiative. He's speaking what he has heard. And doesn't that raise the question, well, who's he talking for if he's not speaking of his own initiative, right? Well, look at this final one, number five. The Spirit is Jesus-focused. This tells us who he's speaking for. Jesus goes on to say, this is the contiguous verse, he will bring me Jesus' glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. Then he goes on with this incredible scripture. See if you can get the, this visual picture. All that belongs to the Father is mine, Jesus said. That is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. You can theologically, biblically say that when you hear or sense the Holy Spirit's voice or leading, that what you're actually hearing is what the Holy Spirit is repeating that Jesus has told him to tell you. A lot of people have this way of kind of disassociating Jesus and the Holy Spirit that creates a very unhealthy Christianity. The Holy Spirit and Jesus aren't in any kind of competition. They're not there like, you know, uh, playing two sides of the coin. The Holy Spirit, all he's concerned about, his ministry is like a big blinking red neon arrow to Jesus all the time. In fact, it is impossible for a Christian to fulfill the will of God for their life without the Holy Spirit's help. And so he says, hey, the Spirit is going to bring me Jesus' glory by telling you whatever he receives from me, from Jesus. When you hear the Spirit, you're actually hearing Jesus, his words being repeated by the Spirit. And then this last verse, he sets up this kind of interesting word picture. When we read that verse, did you sense the four characters in that verse? So he says, um, all that belongs to the Father, so you have the person of the Father within the being of God, belongs to me, Jesus, and you have the person of Jesus. That's why I said the Spirit over here will take from what is mine from Jesus and reveal it to you. So we have the Father, Son, Holy Spirit within the being of God, and then you have you or I over here. Do you sense the communication chain going on? All that the Father has is mine, Jesus said. That's why the Spirit will take from what is mine and will make it known to you. Do you see if you remove an openness to the Spirit, a warm embrace of the Spirit, how you short-circuit the communication lines there? We need Him. We need Him desperately. We don't just need Him in church. We need Him in our homes. We need Him in our families. We need Him in all the complexities of life. And it's amazing to me that as, as Christians that believe in the power of God, how we often don't expect him or welcome him into our families and into our relationships and into the complexities that we face in addictions, into circumstances we're facing, into loneliness. And he is here to help us. He is with us always. He lives inside of you from the moment of salvation onward and his resources are available. He wants to speak the things that Jesus wants you to know if we'll just stop, drop, and listen for a few minutes. Now, the Holy Spirit can speak in most often in gentle inward nudges, you know. Matter of fact, for a Christian, it grows to be so second nature that we, you know, it just happens. And, and, but often, sometimes the Holy Spirit can speak with, with loud and uh, very significant and very obvious ways too, kind of like the fireworks kind of a ways. And Wherever it comes from, whether a whisper or a shout, anything from the Holy Spirit is worth listening and obeying. We were recently ministering in, in the Navajo Nation in, in one of the 
uh, in Oklahoma, eastern Oklahoma. And at the end of one of the services, one of our normal Holy Spirit conferences, and at the end of the final service, we were doing a healing service. And I taught a little bit about praying for others for healing. Then we had an opportunity for people to pray for each other. And then at the end, I was getting testimonies. And so a bunch of people had come forward giving testimonies. And they were great because God loves to heal people. And he's really great at it. I've never healed anybody. It'd probably make them worse. But, um, but the Lord is really great. And if you've never prayed for anyone else to be healed, you don't have to know what you're doing. In fact, you can't know what you're doing because it's his work. But you're just kind of creating a time and a space for God to make himself real. And it's amazing what he does when you give him that chance. So there was about, out of that crowd, maybe 16 or 17 that came up with immediately verifiable, I was blind in this eye, now I can see. I was deaf, I could hear. You know, like, not just kind of, I think I feel better, but real objective things. And uh, so I was going down the line interviewing them, starting with the first person, hey, tell me your name, what happened to you? And they were telling, and, and then people were rejoicing. I went to the next. Well, uh, among the first two or three people as they're sharing their testimony, I began to get this little prompting inside from the Holy Spirit. Um, if you're familiar with the nine manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, it was probably a little word of knowledge where you kind of get a noun, a subject, a little bit of understanding, a little download of data, but it's never enough to satisfy your curiosity and it still requires you to really trust in the Lord and step out. And, and, uh, and so I was started wrestling with this little word of knowledge and it was just one word. And it didn't make any sense to me. I had no context whatsoever. So as I continue going down and kind of interviewing the people for testimonies, I'm doing that with as much effort and focus as I can. But at the same time, inside, quietly, I'm praying, God, please, is this you? I'm praying through a normal prayer routine that I have to kind of discern and give clarity on those things. And I'm like, God, I, you know, I need more. I don't feel that's sufficient. Is there what else do you have? And, you know, and so as it's going down the line, I'm getting more desperate because I realize in a few more people, it's the end of the service. The pastor's going to come and dismiss everybody. And I'm like, you know, it's going to be the end. And so as I'm getting near the, like the second to last person, I'm like, come on, God, if you want me to do this, the window is closing and I need more. And then the last person is like, Pat, can I buy a vowel? I mean, it's like super, super desperate. And so the last person finishes, and the people kind of rejoice, and I see the pastor stand up and walk towards me. I've got like 20 seconds, and I go, how many would cut me a little slack to make a mistake while pastor's coming? Um, I've been really wrestling with this, that I'm just supposed to say this one word out loud over the microphone. It doesn't make any sense to me. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but here we go. Yellow. But at that point, the pastor turns to me, grabs the mic, and goes, okay, well, whatever that is. All right, God bless you. See you next week. He hits me in the arm, and he goes, yellow. Come on, man. That's vague. I go, pastor, I'm so sorry. I, I really thought I was obeying God. I don't feel it so much now. But, you know, forward all the hate email to me, and I'll apologize, whatever. So we're down shaking hands and talking to people. And pretty soon, the room clears out. And he and I walk into the lobby. And just as we do... We didn't realize, but there was a lady in the, in the auditorium still. She was, was down between the pews picking up stuff. And she goes, hey, can I talk to you guys? And so by the time she stood up, we were standing in the lobby holding the door for her. And she said, well, I just wanted to say, I'm so sorry that my daughter was inconsolable tonight and caused so much noise and disruption. And I said, honestly, I didn't, I didn't notice and she goes, well, that's good. But she said she's special needs. She's really high on the autism spectrum. She, uh, she is uh, verbal, but non-language. She, she said she was really loud tonight and, and uh, was throwing things. And, just, and she starts crying. And she said, well, we brought her here tonight to receive healing prayer. But she didn't make it to the healing prayer part. 
And she said about halfway through the teaching, my husband, who was sitting on the other side of her, leaned over and whispered to me, honey, it's not fair for her. You know, she doesn't understand, and we know God's going to heal her, at which she interjected, we really have a strong, specific gift of faith promise from the Lord. We know God's going to heal her and raise her up. It's not just wishful thinking. It's something that's kind of a bedrock promise in my life, our lives, and, and so we just take every opportunity for her to receive healing prayer, and she said, my husband said, let me just take her home, and she added, we only live a mile or so up the road, and and he said, I'll take her home and I'll put the live stream on in the living room. And you and your mom who was sitting on the other side, you guys agree in prayer when the healing prayer time starts. I'll, I'll hug, hug her and embrace her and pray for her when the healing prayer is going on. And we just believe God to heal her. And she said, yeah, honey, you're right. Take her home. It's best for her. But she said, the moment he left, I began kind of get grumpy and cranky inside. She said, pretty soon the healing prayer time started. And obligatorily, my, my mom and I, we joined hands and prayed, and I knew my husband was, was praying for our daughter at that time at home, and she said, then the testimony started. She said, on one level, I was really happy for the people, the first person that was blind, and I was really excited for their testimony, but she said, on the other level, I was like, that should have been me. That should have been Micaiah speaking her first words. She said, as the line went, I began to get grumpier and grumpier. Her word was acidic in my heart towards God. She said, by the end of the line, people sharing their testimonies, while I should have been rejoicing with them, I just felt worse and worse. She said, I was saying things to God, honest. How I many know he hears you anyway? I was saying things to God like, do you really love her? Do you really, you really care? Your Bible says you do, but do you really? Do you even know her name? Is she even on, her, on your radar, God? Does she even matter to you? She said, the last thing I said to him was, God, I don't even think like you even know she exists. You don't even know anything about her. Do you even love her? Do you even know the smallest fact about her life? Do you even know her favorite color immediately over the PA system? Yellow. And tears started streaming down her face. She opened up her purse, and it was filled with little plastic yellow counting bears. If you've ever taught elementary school math, like manipulatables, she said, for whatever reason, the only consistent positive stimulus Mikhail responds to is the color yellow. And she said, we are always handing her yellow things to keep her calm. And she said, tonight she was kind of throwing them. She gave me one, and she said, I want you to keep this and pray for Mikhail's healing. I ended up giving it to the pastor because he's a shepherd there, but through tears then she finally said I know God's going to heal my daughter we have that promise but she said I didn't realize tonight God wanted to heal me mom and let me know that he really cares and he really listens the more we open up and listen to the Holy Spirit the more we receive what God has for us a warmer embrace of the Spirit a wider corridor for the Lord to work in your life a hands-off, stiff-armed approach, once in a blue moon kind of a thing to the Spirit, or looking at Him with maybe I'm not so sure, then we receive, it constricts our corridor in which we receive from the Lord. Has anybody ever told you to go fly a kite? How many are sitting by someone you like to, no, no, okay. Um, so what does that normally mean? It normally means get lost, but honestly, flying a kite is my favorite metaphor for opening up to the Holy Spirit. It has so much in parallel, you know. If you've, how many have ever flown a kite before? You've held the string, and okay. If you haven't, go right to Walmart afterwards. Um, so, the beginning of it, you got to apply a little more energy than normal 
to get that thing up in the air. And once it achieves lift, it's 30, 40, 50 feet up. From that point on, it's entirely up to you, your personal level of comfortability, how much string you let out. The only thing that would prohibit you from letting out more string is fears or concern. Fears like more realistic, like I hope the string doesn't break if it's really windy, you know. Um, or like if it's me, like did I tie the string to the end of the stick? I can't remember, you know. Um, or maybe the the most unrealistic of all fears, and this is kind of even an unrealistic fear people have about the Holy Spirit. What if I let the string out the whole way and and too much wind comes and I get carried away, you know? But it's all up to you. The way you get that kite up in the air is by being vulnerable and trusting. And we live in a world where we're used to people taking advantage of any vulnerabilities. But how many know with God, he's got it all all in his hands. And he, he became so vulnerable to us, he allowed us to kill his son. That's how vulnerable God is to us, his creation. And so I want to ask you to do something. Would you stand up with me? And I want to ask you to go fly a kite for a moment. You do that by doing something vulnerable. Some of you, this is easy, man. You, you've been around the Holy Spirit for millennia. You were there at Abraham and Sarah's engagement party. Some of you, it's a brand new thing. And I want to ask you to do something. If you feel comfortable with it, would you lift a hand or two? And I want to ask you to say something out loud to the Holy Spirit that's vulnerable. Something like, I need you, Holy Spirit, or I love you. Or would you come and speak to me or speak into my life? Come on, just lift it to him right now. Get those kites up in the air. Yeah. As he begins to awaken something deep inside of you when you do that, because the Holy Spirit's lived inside of you. He's just been waiting for you to reach out to him. Now, come on, would you just let out a little more string? Maybe lift your hand an inch higher, lift your voice a decibel louder, increase your vulnerability. He's never going to take advantage of it. He just wants to reveal Jesus. Oh, Holy Spirit, I need you in my family relationships. I need your wisdom and your help. I need you in my job. I need you in my provision. Would you come and take whatever Jesus has and make it known to me? Spirit of the Lord. Well, come on, just let out a little more string. You're not going to fall off the edge. Don't worry about what anyone else thinks. Oh, I need you, Holy Spirit. I need your wisdom. I open to you. I need you. I need you. I need you. Take what is the master's and make it known to me, I pray. I'm desperate for you. Some of you said it's, it's the end. It's not the end. It's not the end. God is changing your plans for this afternoon. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. I need you, Holy Spirit. Now, come on, just a little more string out right now. Come on, tell him the deepest need of your heart and invite him there. Spirit of the Lord. Spirit of the Lord. Oh, I need you, I need you, I need you. Thank you, Lord. 
the Holy Spirit saying he's just softening the ground for tonight right now. He's just softening the ground. Come on. Holy Spirit, would you provoke us to new levels of spiritual hunger and thirst? Stir us up. Stir us up. We've been satisfying on the wrong kind of things. Stir us up for holy appetites. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I sense the Holy Spirit speak. There's so many who've had a, a brain injury. I'm feeling a presence of the Lord on the, on the left side of my head. I don't know if that's related, but there's a brain injury. He's healing right now in the name of Jesus. That's a big one. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's all kinds of... If you have an issue with your knees, just wave a hand right now. Keep it waving just for a moment. If you're standing by somebody waving their hand, just reach over and put a hand on their shoulder. Come on, just, just call it to the Lord. Lord, would you just do millions of dollars of knee surgery right now across this room for those at home right now? Thank you. Come on, just pray. You're going to feel helpless. That's what healing prayer is. Help us, Jesus. Lord Jesus, just send restoration right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Oh, we bless your name. We bless your name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, you're worthy, Lord Jesus. For those that feel so alone, soak in the embrace of the Spirit. He embraces you back right now. Drink it in. Drink it in. I'm going to invite the prayer partners to come forward. And if any point in time you'd like to have someone pray with you, sneak on up here. Pastor Nate. Oh, there we are. Come up and lead us. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 God's doing the work. I don't want to stop the work that God is doing. In fact, uh, right now, church, if you need prayer, we have our prayer teams that are available along the front here as well as the back of the balcony. Feel free to, to jump in. We'll sing in just a moment uh, together. But if, you, if you're like me right now, there's a process to dropping my guard. Sometimes it's other people and how they've handled the Holy Spirit that make me afraid. Like, I don't want to be like that person or I'm not sure about that individual or whatever it may be. And sometimes we used to say, Lord, people are in my way. People are in my, people that hurt you. Maybe religious people, people that have been in the way. Holy Spirit will come underneath the cover of that and do a healing work that only he can do. Just lift all your hands up to heaven right now. Father, we come before you. Hallelujah. Lakeville, and Elk River, and Maple Grove, and Spring Lake Park. Lord, we thank you that you know us better than we know ourselves. You're the creator that hovered over formless things in Genesis. You have the capacity to understand that, Lord, even in unformed things, you create conditions for new creations, new new opportunities, Lord, where the old is gone and the new comes, it's coming. And I pray, oh Lord, that, Lord, that you breathe new life into your church, that you breathe new life into individuals that have felt so dry, so empty, and we've been grabbing and reaching and stretching for so many other things, Lord, than they've, we found them to be empty. 
We found people to be empty. We found finances to be empty. The chase is tiring. But Lord, you are eternal life. You bring things that we can get from no other source. And I pray that you would sweep through hearts and minds and give optimism and hope and and the ability, God, Lord, to, to know that you are with us. I pray, God, that you would sweep through and gently brush off the wounds and the hurts and the wrongs of things done to us and replace it with the comfort and the security of knowing that you are near and that you are with us. We ask, oh God, that you continue to develop and, 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 and change us from the inside out. We thank you today. In each of our locations, Lord, I pray, God, that you would bring a move of your spirit that is not just for one day, but it's a lifetime, that you would do open up new doors and opportunities, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen, 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 amen. I'm going to do a couple things right now. One, uh, before we go, I'm going to try to do my best to do a Pastor Nathan impersonation. And then when I'm done, I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over everyone. And then we'll sing. And whoever wants to stick around, you want to stick around, you can. Or you come back tonight at 6 o'clock. First thing I want to do is this. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus. Perhaps you're away from God. And maybe you once walked with him or you've never given your life to Christ. Today, right now, is a great opportunity for you to say, all right, I'm in. God, do your thing in me. And this can be your moment. And if you need to give your life to Jesus right now, I don't want to take another moment past. In fact, just close your eyes all around the room. If you're here, maybe you're on a line with us right now, and you need to give your life to Jesus, just lift up your hand and say, that's me. I need to I need to give my life to Christ or I need to come back to him. Go ahead and do it. I don't want to waste, waste any more time. Okay, okay, okay. Yep, 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 yep. There's several people. Yes, yes. And I want you to just pray this prayer out loud after me. If that's you, you want to receive the gift of salvation, be made new. Just repeat these words after me and everybody else. You can join right in. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came to the earth. You died on the cross for my sin, and then you rose from the dead, and I know that you're alive. Today, I surrender. I ask you to take over and be my leader for the rest of my life. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for joining us. We pray that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Check out emmanuelcc.org for faith resources, how to get plugged into community, or to join us live on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. We are so excited to see what God is going to do. The best is yet to come.